to be back with you this morning as I have been out on the road traveling and preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ for the last two weeks. But it's great to be back behind the desk one more time bringing the good word of God to you. So I've enjoyed traveling and speaking to you from hotel rooms and various places, but it's always nice to come home and just to speak to you from my heart directly to you through the camera lens. Praise God and speak to you right where you're at today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And of course, I know, I know many people, they also listen to the program and uh, all of these messages, messages are available on iTunes and they're free. It doesn't cost you a penny. So if you like to do podcasting, just jump over, over to uh, the Apple uh, iPod casting and just type in Stephen Brooks and you will see the messages there available for your convenient audio listening. And of course, we're here live for you uh, with uh, live stream and YouTube so that we can do uh, the joy of video together. Praise God. Today, I'm going to be teaching from 1 Samuel chapter 16. Why don't you grab your Bibles and meet me there? 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, don't forget we have in May of 2018 our Israel tour. The date's May 20th through the 30th of 2018. The price is 3848. Kelly and I would really love for you to come along and join us in the Holy Land. Let's go to the land of Jesus and experience the presence of the Lord and learn as much as we can about God. Jesus, the Word of God, in the context of where so much of it took place at there in the Holy Land. So this brochure is available on my ministry website, stephenbrooks.org, and you can download it. It's a PDF file. Just download the whole brochure. You could print it out, and that way you've got it in your hand, just like what I'm holding right here. You can see the full itinerary. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'd love to see you come along. If you want to register by phone to go on the tour, it only costs $300 to register. That gets you officially registered. That way you are on the roll, so to speak, and you're ahead of the curve. All you have to do is call 1-800-929- 4684 and select option two. They'll get you all signed up and I would love for you to come. It's going to be a lot of fun. Praise God. Today, I want to discuss a subject that's, that's very interesting. I think you'll be happy if you do this. I call it, let God choose. First Samuel chapter 16, Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into your word, that your word would bring the illumination and the light to help us understand your ways. We thank you that your ways are higher than ours, and we want to know them because what's higher is better. So, Father, we thank you for helping us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise the Lord. By the way, let me say that as I have been traveling, thank you church family for being faithful with your tithes and offerings. I think that's very important to do. I think sometimes in churches, if the pastor's not there on Sunday morning, uh, it's like the giving just drops off. But it's very important that we're always faithful because even as I have been on the road, uh, I've still been able to bring you uh, those messages, even take you into the meetings live and stream them to you. So I want to say thank you for your faithfulness in your tithes and offerings. And uh, for those of you that are new to this and you're looking for a way to express your giving and you're wanting to know where to send it to, you can mail it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, 
Mooresville, North Carolina, zip code 28117. That way the tithes and offerings arrive here at the ministry storehouse. We continue to preach the gospel around the world. If you want to bring your tithes and offerings in online, which a lot of people like to do because it's so convenient and easy, just with the click of a button, you could go to the ministry website on the front homepage. There's a link called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. And you can go there anytime, day or night. That's what's nice about it. Uh, 365 days a year, it's, it's open, and you can bring the tithes and offerings in safe and secure online. Praise God. Thank you for your giving. Father, bless your people for their faithfulness to you and their giving and their care for your kingdom and for this ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let's talk about letting God choose. Verse 1, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. So Jesse has quite a few sons, and out of those sons, one of them God has already pre-selected to be the next king to replace Saul. Saul's still king, but his days are numbered, and God said, you've blown it. I gave you opportunity after opportunity, and Saul did some things where basically it was almost like pulling the gun out, shooting yourself in the foot, uh, and just ruining the wonderful future and the plans that God had for his life. Verse 2, and Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. Saul had a tremendous jealousy and envy problem. And remember, jealousy and envy is rooted uh, by, a, a, by an evil spirit behind the scenes, trying to influence people. And uh, you have to watch out for that. Don't, don't be jealous of other people. Be happy for people. Um, uh, and really to kill jealousy, even try to help move others forward when you have the ability to do that. Encourage others. Praise God. If somebody gets a new car, be happy for them. Praise God. You could be the next one in line for a blessing. Somebody gets a new house, rejoice with them. And so watch out for jealousy and envy. That was really a major Achilles heel with King Saul. Now, uh, the Lord gives the prophet Samuel instructions about how to go about this anointing of the new king uh, without getting killed, because uh, Saul would have even killed Samuel if he found out that something like this was going on. So it had to be done the right way. So there's going to be a a sacrifice involved, so everything looks to be fine on a religious front, but Samuel's up to something good. He's on an assignment from God to anoint the next king of Israel. Verse 5, he tells the elders that he's coming peaceably to Bethlehem. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. In other words, set yourself apart and get ready and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Notice how he's singling them out because that's really the main purpose of why he is there. Verse 6, so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely woo, the Lord's anointed is before him. How about that? The eldest son, Mr. Good-looking, the, the guy that had the 4.0 GPA coming out of high school, the guy that just had the perfect frame, the perfect symmetry, had the milky white teeth, and had the beautiful hair, 
and uh, he, he was just something. And I tell you, uh, I'm sure Jesse, his father, was very proud of Eliab. And uh, Samuel sees him, and uh, uh, he's like, wow, the, this guy's got all the externals. He's got all the looks. He's got, he's got the package deal. It appears to be selected to be the next king. Verse 7 is classic. It's a classic verse in the Bible. There, the, all the word is wonderful, but there's some verses in the Bible that stand out because they're so revealing, really, of the character and nature of God that uh, sometimes just one little statement like what we're about to read gives us a lot to chew on. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Wow, absolutely amazing. It's a pretty strong language. The Lord says, I've, I've rejected him. I mean, he's not, even, he's not even on the radar spiritually for what I'm up to here. So it's amazing. Very handsome, and that's great. That that that's a blessing, and that's a blessing to have wonderful-looking children. I think I should throw something in right here that might help you though, in life to understand something very important. Anything beautiful, it needs to be redeemed by Christ and stay in a position of redemption, or else it will get off track, and it will uh, it will be corrupt. The enemy, when he sees something beautiful. When he sees something that the glory of God is resting on, whether it's art, whether it's a person, whether it's a beautiful lady, whether it's a man that can sing and his voice is so beautiful, it's like a swooning voice. The enemy thinks, I'd like to take that and make that person my messenger. I would like to take the vehicle of art or science and use it for my means and pollute it and corrupt it. And so anything that has beauty, it you have to be very careful with it. It needs to be redeemed or else there's an Achilles heel waiting for a meltdown. Uh, my wife sent me a video. Uh, she said, Stephen, watch this video of this young evangelist. He's incredible. I watched it and he is, he is incredible. He has a tremendous anointing, very handsome man and a tremendous preacher bringing people to Christ left and right, like a Pied Piper, just people following, uh, just, you know, the lost coming. But he's so handsome. Be careful. Not, not in the sense that that's anything wrong. That's actually good. It's an asset. It's a benefit. It can open doors. But at the same time, it, it, uh, it can be a, a, a temptation and a struggle for many people. See, Madame Jean Guyon, one of the great mystics in the church, if you ever read about her, and, you know, she's been off the scene for hundreds of years when she died and went to heaven, but people are still reading her books every day. Their content is so rich and deep, but they said that she was the most beautiful woman in Paris. I mean, they said she was incredibly beautiful, and she talked in her writings about how difficult that was because temptations of pride, temptations of arrogance, uh, and the enemy sees that, and he knows he can try to do things to work against you with your strengths. He'll try to take them and even use them against you. But, uh, you know, uh, Madame Jean Guyon, she talked about how she had, she had something happen that actually took away the beauty 
And first, you know, what the thing, then she realized, you know, this is probably actually good for me because I had, you know, she struggled with arrogance. She liked it that people looked at her all the time because of her looks. So anything that's beautiful, a phenomenal voice, an incredible looks, uh, whatever it might be, it really needs to be at the foot of the cross and it needs to be submitted to Calvary or else or else the enemy will come and he will make offers. And if you're not at that cross daily, dying to yourself, you can find yourself getting over in the things that are of the world that get you tangled up. And the next thing you know, you're trying to ride both sides of the fence and you can't please two masters. Praise God. So the Lord has refused Eliab. How about that? The Lord looks at the heart. Verse 8. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Wow. Mm. I, I'm still thinking about the statement I was just making about things need to be redeemed. Do you think Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who church history agrees, most of the people, as we trace back through church history and historical records, it appears that Paul was ball-headed, very short, maybe five foot six, maybe even five foot five, and was not a good orator, and had also some physical infirmities that at times it appears uh, in the Bible could have even been embarrassing, you know, so... Uh, is it necessary to have all of this stuff that the world says you have to have? You know, see, the world looks different. They want an Eliab. They want these other types of sons to be their spokespersons. But I'm telling you, God looks at the heart. You might think, well, Pastor Stephen, I'm glad because I don't have a lot of this other stuff that uh, the world is looking, you know. But see, the Lord, he needs, a, he needs a submitted heart. He needs a person that's willing to go with him. And so, you know, God can take a person like Paul and, uh, and use him to operate in great signs and wonders and miracles. And you look, you look at Peter and uh, many of the other apostles, and many of them had no education, particularly like the guys that were the fishermen, uh, Peter and his brother Andrew, and then James and John also working for their father uh, Zebedee, who was, they're all in the fishing business. The, these guys were not the scholastic Ivy League material, but yet God chose them. Why, Pastor Stephen? Because they were so good looking? No, it's their heart. It's their heart. Now, if you if you're called and you you have you have a nice appearance or something like that, that's fine, and that is a blessing from the Lord. Hallelujah, praise God forever. But my friends, never forget the main thing is your heart. Don't think you can stand on anything else. Your speaking skills, the way your hair looks, or you know your the, your ability to sing, like these things can somehow bail you out. No, no, the only thing that can su sustain you is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And without that, you're you're just like on a level playing field with anybody else out there in the world. But it's the anointing on music, the anointing on speaking, the anointing on the work that you do that distinguishes you and makes you different from everybody else. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you should try to also make yourself as presentable as possible. I'm not talking about vanity. And I'm not talking where you go into extremes, where you're at the spa every day. But I'm saying at the same time, 
Uh, there are some people that need to discover what Listerine is. There are some Christians that need to discover what a nail file can do. Praise the Lord. Little things like that can help you uh, succeed in life. All right. I think I feel happy in my spirit that I covered that well enough. Let's move on. Let's go on down uh, to verse 9. We see now that uh, Abinadab has also been passed by. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus met Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Hmm. Now you would think, you would think first of all, that Jesse would get all of his boys there, get them all together and say, now you guys get ready because the prophet's here and he's going to, he's going to go down the line. He's going to pray. And one of you are going to be chosen as the next King. So, you know, uh, go in the bathroom, make yourself look nice, put on your best clothes. Come on and get it back out here. Make sure everybody's here. But he, have you ever noticed the dysfunctionality of the family? Jesse, the father, doesn't even ask his son David to come to the meeting. Pastor Stephen, what does that tell us? I'll tell you exactly what it reveals. It reveals that in many ways they had issues just like most families do, where there's all kinds of, unfortunately, weird dynamics, favoritism, uh, envy, uh, manipulation of uh, human intent and things like that going on. You see it quite clear. Even to the point Samuel says, uh, hey, are these the, is this all you've got? Because God told me it's one of them, but it's none of these. So, and you, you, think, you think Jesse would say, yeah, I've got one more. He doesn't even say that. I mean, Samuel literally has to bring it up and like drag this out of the, out of the daddy. Uh, hey, something's not right. Where, you got anybody else hiding around? And look what, look what Jesse said. He said, there remains yet the youngest there. And there he is keeping the sheep. There he is keeping the sheep. Now I want to share something with you today. I, I, I pray that you can take this to heart in your life. There's going to be things that you want. You're going to have wishes. You're going to have desires. That's okay. But there, there are times in dealing with your desires, things that you strongly want to have unfold in your life, you must be very careful that you don't override the will of God. And if you're not sure, what you really need to do is just completely take your hands off and let God choose. Let God choose. Okay, so what's Jesse doing? I'll tell you exactly what he's doing. He's doing maybe what some of you do at times when you want your way really bad and you want it to turn out the way you want it. You manipulate things. You get, you get Eliab up at the line first. You put everybody else behind him. And you're concerned about David because it seems like there's maybe some kind of an anointing or something special about him, but you don't want him to get it. So you don't even tell him that this is going on. You just leave him out there, let him shovel sheep dung and let him, you know, uh, take care of getting the flies off the sheep and do all the dirty work. You don't even invite him. Why? Because you're going to manipulate this because you want the outcome to be like this because you want Eliab to be the king. But you know what? Samuel and Jesse don't have permission to choose the king. God chooses the king. Hallelujah. And if you want the kingly plan that God has for your life to come forth, there are some things you don't need to choose. You need to let God choose. Can I tell you why? 
Because if you choose, you don't choose like he does. And he sees you actually on a higher level than you even see yourself. God could choose something that's beyond what you were even thinking. Because you maybe don't feel like you're worthy. You don't feel like you're qualified. You don't feel like you're empowered or you're blessed. Or maybe you don't feel like you had all the the trappings to allow you to, to whatever. But God says, no, that's my choice for you. That's my choice for you. There are some things you need to completely take your hands off because if you choose, it's almost certain you're going to choose the wrong one. Why? Because although we try to be spiritual, although we try to yield to the Spirit, although we try to walk with the Lord, we still have times where we can be very adamant. We can be very self-opinionated. We can be very strong-willed, and we're going to manipulate this because this is what we want. And if you do that, you can make a disaster of your life. Mm, praise God. Pastor Stephen, I'm a single woman, and I've, I've, I've just ha- I'm tired of waiting. I, I want to get married, and I want to get married now. And I want to get married one way or another. That, that's something you need to take your hands off. Mm, praise God. See, God chooses the king. And if you will walk with the Lord, God, hear me today, God will choose your spouse. Praise God. Oh, I know some people, they did the choosing, and they are, they're, feeling, they're feeling it today because they, they, they chose. God didn't choose. They chose. I've even counseled people before. I don't think that's God's choice. They do it anyhow. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I've heard from God. I can hear from God myself. I, I, I know you can. We all can. Hallelujah. We don't need a prophet to tell us what to do. But if a prophet's hearing from God because the prophet's relaxed, calm, and a peaceful spirit, and you're over here driving, driving, manipulating, and got your hand all over it, because you're going you're gonna to make it come out the way you want it to come out, <laughs> then you go ahead and you get your way, and then, and then you realize he's not Mr. Perfect. Pastor Stephen... He hit me in the eye. I'm here at house wearing sunglasses because he totally busted me in the eye. I think he has fractured my eye bone, and uh, my whole eye is bulging out and swollen and black and blue. Pastor Stephen, I I, I, kind of thought he had some problems, but I didn't know it was this bad. See, you chose. Oh, I get get the phone calls. I, I get the emails. Pastor Stephen, I, I, you know, I thought he was a nice guy. I, I didn't know he had all these secret addictions. I, I didn't know he had all this junk. I, I didn't know. I kind of sensed, you know, some things could be off. But, you know, I just, the Lord knew that I just needed to, yeah, you needed to take your hands off of it. Hmm. Can you imagine if Eliab would have, would have been the king? He just didn't have it in him. He didn't have it in him. God, God had already selected who the king's going to be. And who God selects will always be the right choice. Because there's something that God has touched and put in that man that will allow him to do what only he can do. See, you can put, let's go back in time, a few decades. You could put Billy Graham in front of a stadium of 80,000 people, have him stand up there, preach a message, and people start screaming to the altar to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. You can put somebody else up there, just another Tom, Dick, or Harry. Put them up there, have them speak the exact same words, memorize the script that Dr. Graham had preached from, memorize the script, get up there in the same stadium, 80,000 people say the same thing, and nobody budge. Why? They're not Billy Graham. 
they don't have the touch of God that he has. God has touched David. God's hand is on David, and it's not on the others, no matter, no matter how bad Jesse wants it. So David comes in. David comes in, and the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. So I just want to ask you today, do you want God's choice? Are you going to be stubborn, and you're going to choose everything? Pastor Stephen, I'm not going to listen to my spouse. My spouse don't know nothing. I know everything. That's the words of a fool. That's a stubborn person who will miss a lot of good opportunities because nobody knows everything. You need people to speak into your life. You need people to help you. Husbands, you need your wives. Wives, you need your husbands. You need to be able to yield. You need to be able to agree. You need to be able to get along. You need to be flexible. You need to receive input from each other. You need to be able to listen respectfully to each other. Because God on purpose will balance it out, and he'll give the other one something that this one needs just so that this one doesn't get arrogant. He'll, he'll, make, it, he'll make it balanced in a beautiful, beautiful way. Oh, I know that the husband is the head of the house, just as Christ is the head of the church. Praise God. But I'll tell you what, husbands, you need your wives because God speaks to your wives, and she has a part of your future that God will just reveal through her to help you with choices and decisions. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I think there are some things, my friends, that we need to take our hands off. Sometimes you can want something so bad and so strong, you can't even think straight. You can't think clearly. If you're in a place like that, you need to be very, very careful and just don't choose. Let God choose for you. And just tell the Lord, Lord, this is too emotional for me. This is something I'm, I'm too heavily invested in, and I, I can't even hardly see straight. So, Lord, I'm going to back off, and you choose. And God will help you. He, he will walk you right into it so smooth, so smooth and so easy that um, you're like, wow, that, and it'll be a perfect fit. It'll be an absolutely perfect fit. So I think this letting go and letting God choose is something that maybe for some can be a little bit scary because some people are very, um, the very strong personality. We all have different personalities, and some people can be very leadership oriented, and they want to do everything, but you can't do everything. Not even the body of Christ can. The body of Christ is multifaceted. That's why you have an eye. The eye does what it does, but it can't do what the ear does, and the ear can't do what the toes do. And so everybody has their part. Praise the Lord. On some things, you need to let go. You need to let go or you're going to make the wrong choice. And you're going to end up with the wrong thing, and, you're, and you would regret it later. But my friends, it's time to make good decisions. It's time to make right decisions. And that way you're happy and you have peace in your life. You know, uh, this week I was thinking about St. Brendan, uh, the man that's known as the Navigator. Uh, for those that are in uh, the Catholic Church, many people look at St. Brendan as the man who would be the patron saint of all mariners, all of those that go to sea. But see, one day, many years back when he was alive on the earth, one day uh, Apostle St. Brendan said to his 14 men that he had raised up in ministry who served him and were in apostolic training, he said, men, God has spoken to me, and we're going to take a trip, so let's make a boat. And, you know, this is not a ship. This is just a boat uh, and a, a big enough for 14 guys and some su supplies. And he said, we're going to get in the boat. We're going to push off from shore, and God is going to take us to where we're supposed to go. 
Well, uh, 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 Brother Brendan, uh, where are we going? Well, we're going to let God take us there by the current and by the Holy Spirit. And guess what? They went on a seven-year journey. The boat would be carried by a current and by the leading of the Spirit to an island. They'd stop, they'd minister. Then they would eat to get refreshed and get back in the boat, go again to another place, stop at another place, go there, minister, get back in the boat, and the current would carry me up. This went on for seven years. They ministered all, they ministered around Europe, they even ministered in Africa. Oh my goodness. Well, Pastor Stephen, that sounds like somebody who's a fruitcake. Really? St. Brendan was an apostle over 3,000 ministers. 3,000 ministers looked to him as their spiritual father. No, these, these are men that walked with God. They just knew that there's some things just let go. And he was just like, we're going to let go. Let God take the boat. <laughs> let God uh, work with the currents. And let's just, let's just let this go where God wants it to go. Nobody drowned. No, you know, no, nobody got uh, wiped out by a storm at sea or anything like that. Everything was fine. How about that? Praise God. Let go and let God. Let God do the choosing. Let God do the choosing. That's what St. Brendan did. Let God choose where they're supposed to go. What about St. Francis of Assisi, who lived in the 1200s? What a great guy. I really like reading about him. He had raised up 12 men uh, under his apostolic covering to be 12 disciples that he could mentor and that he could send out. And then after a couple of years of training, he realized by the leading of the Holy Spirit that those 12 disciples were now ready to be sent out and to do their It's time for them to start their extension of their ministry. So he took them and said, he said to the 12 disciples, he said, men, he said, each of you stand around me in a circle. So they, they all formed the circle around him. And he said, okay. He said, now I want you to do this. He said, God's going to show you where you're supposed to go. I just want you to let go and let God do what only he can do. So he said, do this, start spinning, just stand where you're at and just turn around and just spin and spin until you can't stand up anymore. And so the 12 men spun in a circle. They would just turn around and, and turn around until, you know, you got so dizzy, you fall down. And and when they had all fallen to the ground, one of the guys, it took him a little while extra longer to fall. I guess he had very good equilibrium, but eventually fell to the ground also because he was so dizzy. They laid on the ground and St. Francis said, okay, men, Take note of what direction your head is pointing towards. When you get up, each of you go in that direction. And all 12 of them went out in different directions as they were led by the Holy Spirit. See, let go. Let God choose. Let God choose. Well, I'm going to go here, Pastor Stephen. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Well, you're not going to get very far like that. Praise God. Hallelujah. There are some things only God can choose. And if you make the choice... And you're, you're not in the spirit, and you're in the flesh, and you're being stubborn. You choose the wrong thing. It could, it could, really, it could really delay you. doesn't mean it's a, it's a total failure, but it could really make things difficult for you. Life is difficult enough as it is. You want to make good choices. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's St. Francis. That sounds like a fruitcake thing to me to have a bunch of guys spin around. Really? St. Francis had 5,000 ministers under his apostolic oversight. Okay, so sometimes people criticize certain things. Well, when, when the critic has 5,000 ministers, full-time ministers beneath their oversight, maybe we'll listen. But as we and I, you and I both know, <laughs> there's not too many people walking in those types of anointings. Praise God forever. Well, now, what about the Lord Jesus? Because he also, he chose 12 apostles. It was so important 
He stayed up all night long in prayer, and he chose, he chose, did you catch that? He chose 12 apostles. And Jesus said, he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And it's the choosing of God. Only the Lord. See, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about how Jesus gave the ministry gifts to the church. The ministry office gifts being apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Jesus gave gifts unto men for the edification, for the building up of the body of Christ. Through good preaching and good teaching and good training and and, and so forth. But my friends, it's the Lord Jesus that calls, anoints, and appoints, and gives them as gifts. Well, Pastor Stephen, my grandmother, she just thought I'd be a good preacher. She wanted me to be a preacher, and she said, I'm a preacher. Well, do you feel you're called? No, but she said I am. Well, see, grandmother or, uh, you know, Aunt Ruby, they, they can't call you and anoint you. Only God can do that. See, only God can appoint the king. Not even a prophet, not even Samuel can do it. Uh, Now, he can anoint the one that the Lord has identified, but the calling is whose choice? It's God's. There are things in your life that are so sacred, they're so important, God wants to make the choice for you. And if you do that, the choice will be better than what you could have even chosen yourself. Mm, 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 mm. God knows you better than you know yourself. I think there's a lot of Christians, they, they don't even really know themselves. They know superficial stuff about God, superficial stuff even about their own self. You'll never know your own self unless you get quiet and you sit still and you filter through the various layers of external, sensual stimuli and you get down to more of the core or depth of who you really are and what you really like. Hallelujah. God will take you there. But let God choose. That way you always get it right. Very quickly, let's go over to Acts chapter 1 and look at an example in the New Testament of getting it wrong through man's choice and then, and then God getting it right later by his choice. This is really, really interesting. I want you to see it. Acts chapter 1, verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Now, this is when they were in Jerusalem. The Lord has already left the Mount of Olives. He's ascended back into heaven, and he told them to wait in Jerusalem. The reason he had to do that is because the disciples, there's, there were 12. Now they're down to 11 because Judas Iscariot, he's committed suicide. And he's gone out and killed himself. But the other men, the other 11, they had different houses in different parts of Israel. You had some guys that lived in Capernaum and you had other guys that lived over here. And uh, it looked like a lot of them actually lived in the area of Galilee. So that's north of Jerusalem. So the Lord said, all of you, you know, come together and stay in Jerusalem. So that, that meant they had to leave their primary homes where their families were at and come to Jerusalem. And maybe uh, their wives or their kids were able to come with them. But nevertheless, he said, be in Jerusalem. So verse 15, it, that's the days that are referred to the reference. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. 
Altogether, the number of names was about 120, and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now, let's drop down to verse 20. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. What office? His apostolic office. Okay, so he had 12 men appointed, called appointed and anointed by Jesus to be apostles, apostles of the Lamb. And so it was even written in Psalms foretold that there would be a betrayer and that the betrayers, uh, you know, would turn, this betrayer would turn against the Lord, and that was Judas Iscariot. And it was even prophesied that uh, another person would take his office. Well, Peter's ready to appoint his choice to replace Judas. Wow. Oh, my friends, there are some things only God can choose. There are some things that you and I, we're not even allowed. We're not even allowed to choose. Well, I'm going to do it anyhow. Well, you can go ahead and make your choice, but it won't stick. And in the, and in the uh, realm of eternity, when God makes the final call, you'll see that only the house that God built stands. Only the plans of God remain. That which is wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up. And if it was not, if it was not God's plan or His will, then you're, it's not going to be rewarded, and it will not be accounted for uh, in the reward category. There, uh, so uh, verse twenty-one. There, therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. You know, I don't know what's going on with Peter. The Lord told Peter and the others, there's about 120 of them, stay in Jerusalem. Just stay here and pray. But Peter, you know, Peter, he's the head apostle beneath the Lord's control. But I mean, the Lord said, stay because you're going to be filled with the Spirit. Here's Peter. He would, he would often, see, he had a weakness. He would oftentimes be too quick to do something, too quick to say something, too quick to act, whether it's cutting off the, uh, the guy's ear when they came to the garden to arrest Jesus, or whether it's Jesus have the visitation of Elijah and Moses and, you know, Peter just like, hey, Lord, I'll build three tabernacles, three tents, one for you and Moses and Elijah. And the scripture said he didn't even know what he was saying. He was just like, but he's going to have to say something. So here he, here he is again. We're going to do something. We're going to choose somebody to take the place of Judas. And he had this uh, impulsive nature. Now, some of that can be good. And he's a great leader, but you've got to balance that. And you've got to also remember that there are some choices only God can make. And if you jump in there and try to make a God choice and it's not right, or you're not even anointed to make that choice, then it's, it's, it's not going to work out eventually. Praise God. Ooh, praise the Lord. I, I, I can understand it's probably tough when you spend, you know, a lot of time, I'm talking all day with guys, a small group, and you, you're sleeping together, and you, it, it's kind of like high school. You know, when you're around your classmates 
I know it's. Uh, I know you're out for the summer, but when you spend hours with people every day, and you're you're in your your own group, and you go to school every day for years and years and years together, where you get to know people, and it's like if you don't see those people anymore, sometimes you you think, well, I, I wonder whatever happened to that person or something like that. Not that I'm really interested in natural things. You understand what I'm saying? But I can understand probably what Peter's going through. He's like, hey. You know, we've lost Judas. It's like there's a part of us that's missing. It's like our arm got cut off, and we, we need the arm back. We, we need we, – and Peter was just like, you know what? We're going to do something about this. And the Scripture even says that somebody else is going to take his office. Well, we're going to take care of that right now. And he did something that I believe and many theologians believe was absolutely not God's choice. And they proposed two. Joseph called Bersabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. Now, I'm sure that Justice and Matthias are both really good guys. And it doesn't surprise me one bit either, should they both have apostolic calling. But that doesn't mean that one of these guys is called to be a part of the of the original 12. That doesn't mean that just because you're called to be an apostle or you have a ministry calling and that you, you're a person that was there and you're an eyewitness, that still doesn't mean that you're somehow God's choice to take the place of Judas. But the Peter's going to do something about this. We're going to get something done. We're going, to, and we're going to do it no matter what. You watch out for manipulating your life, manipulating other people's lives, trying to just, you know, get in there. We're going to make, we're going to fix this. We're going to make it. And then you do your thing. And then two years go by, you go, dear Lord, what in the, what, what in the world did I do? What a mess. Well, what happened is you made your choice. <laughs> it wasn't God's choice. God didn't have anything to do with that. It wasn't his choice at all. Hmm. Wow. Well, they proposed two. We got Joseph, also called Bersabbas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, oh, and said, you, O Lord, uh, such a nice religious prayer. You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and, apostol- and apostleship from which Judas by transgression failed, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots. How about that? We're going to cast some lots. Why not roll dice? Why not just play a game of 21? Now, uh, what do we want you to do, Matthias, and what we want you to do, Justice? You guys each get a deck of cards. I'm going to deal the cards out. We're going to play a game of blackjack or 21. And whoever wins the game of 21, you're in, buddy. You're the next apostle. Yep. We're gonna, let's, I'll tell you what. Let's just skip the cards. Let's draw lots. Yeah. Thomas, get me two sticks right now. Let's, let's just get this done right now. Wow. Hey, you guys are supposed to be praying waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up. By the way, did you ever notice in the Bible that after the Holy Spirit came and the church was birthed, Acts chapter 2, just a few hours, just a few days later, you'll never, ever see the drawing of lots after that ever, ever again. That's all old covenant stuff. That's all looking for an external witness because you don't have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God inside on you to give you an inward witness. Well, we're going to do it externally. Well, you know what? You're, you're, this is like a realm of luck and chance. Really? You got two guys? I'd be thinking, wow, this is pretty good. I got a 50-50 chance of being the next apostle of the Lamb. Well, I'd love to be in that group. Wow. You don't get to choose the king. 
God chooses the king. You don't get to choose who's going to take the place of Judas. Peter didn't call himself to be an apostle. Jesus called Peter. And the 12 didn't call themselves. Jesus prayed all night, and he picked who the Holy Father told him to pick. But yet here they are. We've got to get somebody in there. We're sad. We're upset about Jesus. We're lonely. We're just used to having 12, and we just see that empty plate, that empty seat, that empty plate just breaks our heart. We're going to do something about it today, praise God. We're going to make a choice right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you something? It's better to have an empty seat and an empty plate than have the wrong person sitting there and the wrong food on the table. Mm-mm-mm. Pastor Stephen, I'm lonely. You don't understand. At night, I ain't got nobody to comfort me and wrap their arms around me. Pastor Stephen, I'm, I want to get married. I can't take it no more, Pastor Stephen. I'm going to do it right now. And, you know, person goes out and gets married. And then, then you know, three months, six months later, sometimes reality hits hard and quick that, uh-oh, this wasn't good. For some people, they're so stubborn, they don't really realize until it turns into a total train wreck. But my friends, let's not go there. I want you, I, I feel I'm teaching this because somebody, you're about to make your choice, and it's not God's choice. And you need to completely take your hands off of it. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm about ready to deal myself a deck of cards and figure out what I'm going to do here. Put the cards away and put the, put the drawing of straws away and wait and let God choose. Well, I feel sad that the table's empty, Pastor Stephen. We got Judas no more. Hey, I'm just glad that Judas is gone. Hallelujah. Praise God, that guy, that thief, that robber, that betrayer. I'm just glad he's gone. Hallelujah. Let's just let the table sit empty so we can be mindful of God's great goodness that we got that guy out of here. Hallelujah. Praise God. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Matthias, welcome. Welcome to the apostol apostolic uh, round table. This is the group of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. You're going to be ruling over one of the twelve tribes of Israel. We really don't know which one it's going to be. We're all still trying to figure that out. But welcome to the twelve. We're so glad. We're so glad that you're here. Boy, I tell you what, you, you came through a lot to be a part of us. Welcome. Welcome. Wow, I'm glad that Luke wrote this down, that the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write this in the Bible. And the whole time, there's another man out there named Saul. He's about to come on the scene in just a few chapters. This man, highly intellectual. This man, a serious zealot of the law. Mm. This man has an intense hatred for Christians. Saul, who would hate Christians so much that in the Greek he would literally hunt them, pursue them. In the Greek, it's the same type of hunting that a, that a hunter would do in tracking a wild animal to kill it. And he would even torture Christians and get them to blaspheme and deny their faith in Christ, kill men, kill women, haul them off to prison, bust up marriages, bust up families. He was a terrorist against the church and the whole time he's God's pick oh no oh no oh no that's crazy can I tell you what crazy is crazy is your pick <laughs> oh, it's, it's early in the morning drink your coffee 
drink your coffee. It's okay. From God's perspective, your choice is crazy. I, I know that sometimes you think God's choice is just nuts. But from God's perspective, your choice, if it's not, if it's not his choice, it's, it's nuts. It's, it's crazy. So let me, let me leave you with this today as, as you're meditating today about letting go. I want to say this. God's crazy is better than your crazy. God's crazy choice is better than your crazy choice. Well, Pastor Stephen, I tell you right now, he, he, God, God chose the wrong person. Matthias was a nice guy. He was a nice, respectable man. He was a man of the cloth, and he carried his Bible right, and he looked good, and he combed his hair back real nice. And Peter liked him. Peter, Peter even prayed over him, laid his hands on him. But this guy saw, no, I, I don't trust God's choice, Pastor Stephen. No, 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 it's never going to work out. He's killed Stephen. He stood there holding the men's clothes while they stoned him. No, 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 no. Saul, though, was God's choice. No, Pastor Stephen, not David. David, no, he's taking care of sheep. No, he doesn't have it. Eliab has it. It's crazy. Yes, but it's God's crazy. Mm. God's crazy is better than your crazy. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Mm. Saul gets converted, turns on fire for God, and outworks all other 11 apostles, writes two-thirds of the New Testament, more than any other apostle wrote, laid his life down, was scourged five times. Mm. There's no telling what the man's back must have looked like. I mean, you talk about scar tissue, Woo, not not just the not just the scourgings, the beatings with rods. This man laid it all down on the line. Wow. Pushed himself incredibly. Oh, by the way, Paul mentioned, how about this? Galatians chapter one, verse one. Listen to this. This is what Paul said when he launched off writing his letter to the Galatians. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man. I didn't get it from God. My brother-in-law didn't put me in the ministry. No. No, the, the, the elder board, no, they're good guys. No, not the elder board, they didn't select me. I, I wasn't their choice. I'm a former terrorist, a former killer of Christians. Nevertheless, God's, God's choice came to me. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Because <laughs> nobody would have chose Paul but God. Pastor Stephen, that's crazy. God's crazy is better than your crazy. Mm. Hmm. We know a lot. We know about a lot about some of the apostles. But we don't know anything about Matthias. Good man. Not saying he wasn't a great guy. Good guy. But not even on the same level as Paul. Paul was chosen by the Lord to be in the 12. Praise God. I totally believe that. Have you ever read a book by Jesse Duplantis called Heaven, Close Encounters? of the God kind. If you, if you want to read a cool book by a guy that went to heaven for five hours and 15 minutes, go read Brother Jesse's book. You'll like it. It's a good book. 
may want to drop by page 55 when he talks about what he saw while he was in heaven as he was walking with an angel towards the throne room of God to meet uh, to meet the Lord Jesus. And while he was going through heaven, he went past the foundation area of heaven where the, where the 12 foundations are, as mentioned in the Bible, where the 12 foundations have the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, the 12 that God chose. Remember, somebody did replace Judas. It was prophesied. Let another take his office. But see, the only person can take that office is who God appoints to take the office. Not even Peter. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's blasphemy. Peter was the first pope. It doesn't matter if every pope, every every evangelical leader, every Eastern Orthodox leader, it doesn't matter if all Christendom stands up and says, it's this person. If that person is not who God said, they're all wrong. God's choice was Saul who became the man that we now know as Paul. And Jesse Duplantis said that as he saw the 12 foundations of the whole city of heaven, on each foundation is written a name of the, of the apostles. There's only 12. There's only 12. And he read it in order. He read it in order. Remember, in the Gospels, when you had 12, and Judas Iscariot was still in there, when you had 12, it was always Peter, James, John, Andrew. That was the first four, and then it would follow on after that. Philip was usually up there high, too, probably number five. There was an order of authority, and Peter was always at the head, always at the, he was always the lead apostle. Jesse the Planus said that when he was in heaven, and he saw written on the 12 foundations the names of the apostles in order, it said Peter, Paul, James, John. Wow. Peter, Paul. Oh, no, 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 Pastor Stephen. Jesse couldn't have seen that. Paul's not supposed to be in the original 12. Remember, Pastor Stephen, it's a Matthias. Oh, I remember. Matthias was Peter's pick, but not God's. Mm. <laughs> Jesse said when he was in heaven, he saw the names of the first four. He was so busy, or, or so he wanted to read all of them, but the angel said, no, we've got to get to the throne room. You have an appointment. But he saw the first four. That's all he needed to see, because we already know who the others are. We already know, we know the 11, who was the 12th, and what is their final arrangement of order. Peter is always first. But then Paul is in second place. Peter, Paul, James, and then John. My friends... Today, I feel there's something in your life that you're about to touch. If you touch it and make it your choice and it's not God's, you might not find out till three, three years later that because you chose, you never saw God's choice. His choice was something that would have been so much better. It had been so much better. You can't afford to make a mistake. Please take your hands off of it, this thing that you're about to do, Take your hands off of it and let God choose for you. He'll always choose right, and he'll choose better than you could even choose for yourself. Don't be afraid of God's crazy. Be afraid of your crazy, okay? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Oh, God, we give you permission. Make the choice. We trust you. We release. We relax. 
Step back. You choose. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's take communion. Let's take communion today. Please grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. Father, we bless it. We sanctify it. We consecrate it. This is now holy. This is now the flesh and blood of our dear Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Fathers, we take the bread, the flesh of Christ. We receive him in his wisdom, knowing that so much of his wisdom looks like it appears foolish in the eyes of sinful men. But there's no higher wisdom than your wisdom, because your wisdom is the wisdom that is above all, because you're above all. So we receive your wisdom, and by faith we receive your choice. And that's the direction we choose to go. We now receive the flesh of Messiah Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Be happy. Be happy. He's going to choose good for you. You'll know it. Step back. Let God do it. He'll reveal it. It's, almost, it's like a spotlight will come on it. Wow. The wisdom of God is phenomenal. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask you for cleansing and forgiveness of sin. If any of your precious people have sinned, we ask for forgiveness. We confess our sins before you. We thank you that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We receive your forgiveness and your mercy. We thank you that according to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, that our sins, our sins and our iniquities, you remember no more. You forgive them and you remember them no more. We believe that. We thank you for it. And we are in faith with you with a good conscience and a clear standing of heart. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you. We trust you. Thank you for such availability to even receive such wisdom and insight from you to make such wise choices by receiving your wisdom. Thank you, Father. We receive the blood of our Savior now. Let's drink. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Let go of Eliab. Let go of Matthias. Put your lots down. You don't need to draw lots. Let God choose. The Holy Spirit will help you. Father, we praise you. Thank you for the counsel of your word. We choose to walk in it and rejoice in it as well. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I'll see you next week. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.